0: hello welcome to the live reality games podcast my name is steven i'm here with a brand new series today called behind the game where i talk to various showrunners and production members of different live reality games to talk about their experience in creating the games and what they learned along the way and today the for our inaugural episode we're going to be talking with survivor new york and so with us we have the host of survivor new york uh, the, a veteran of many live reality games, including Survivor
1: BC, Rocker and Valley. We have Chris Lord. Chris, how are you doing? Hi, Stephen. I'm great. I'm very honored that you would have me as your first guest and to just do this. So I'm really excited to see what we have tonight. And Chris, with you, we can't, we can't talk Survivor New York without a, a pivotal member of your production
0: team. She is the champion of all things College Survivor. She is the queen of the genius. And has a great genius podcast to boot. We have Naomi Calhoun. Naomi, how are you?
2: Thank you. I'm like maybe the queen. Yes, it's a it's a working title. Um, <laughs> no, Steven, I'm so glad to be back with you. The pandemic allowed us to talk about Survivor, and then I had to go back to work, and I couldn't just talk about uh, random college kids for days on end anymore. <laughs> Other people get to do it with college sports, but not me. Um, you know, so I'm so excited to be back, and I think this is a genius idea concept for your series. So I look forward to not only this episode, but all the episodes down, down the line because I know we have some amazing people who love Survivor so much and I can't wait to hear why they started their journey. Yeah.
0: And Naomi, someday when the next season of Survivor Maryland comes out, call me. We have a podcast to make.
2: 2026, oh. baby.
0: We'll, we'll be there. <laughs> oh, Lord. And so I feel like the start with the journey of Survivor New York, it probably is rooted in... Chris, your experience as a player in live reality games. I know prior to the creation of Star of New York, you were a contestant in games such as Pirate Booty Camp, as well as the Survival Challenge. Is there, are there any other games you participated in before going to become a creator yourself?
1: Uh, yes. So the sort of journey for Survivor New York for me was going online, looking on YouTube, um, and looking up like different references of Survivor I'd seen a, like a few different schools kind of do survivor games like in their drama clubs, but then one showed up. Yeah, drama just,
2: Club Survivor sounds I, vicious.
1: It was <laughs> hilarious. Some of it was fake, you know, some of it was real. But I saw one that was in Arizona. I don't know if many people even know about it. They're still on YouTube. It's FWP Survivor. Um, and I messaged them, and I was like, "Hey, I would really love to come out." and play one of these games. And I flew out to Arizona twice in 2014. And one of those times I played was with John Fataha from Survival Challenge. And that's how we met. He played, he was like the second person, third person voted out. Uh, Daniel Beal and um, one other player from season one of Survival Challenge were there playing. Um, But because I had a strong alliance with John, that is the only reason I think I got into Survival Challenge. For season three, um, and at survival challenge is where I met Rebecca Chaffield because she was working production for that season. So it's it was very cool, interesting snowball effect of me just you know going on YouTube searching Survivor games to like get to that point where I'm like playing a Survivor game, meeting Rebecca, and that led to me playing like Pirate Booty Camp and like seeing these games. Um, being a part of these games and thinking you know what I could do it I could do something like this on a similar scale it doesn't have to be like survival challenge no one will ever uh, recreate whatever survival challenge has done it's just unless it's the real show Um, but I can I can put something together like this and have fun and not like think of it as like so serious as as they had you know made it but then it did become serious (laughs) after some time (laughs) because it just kept happening over and over. Um, Yeah, that's kind of like the birth, the real birth of Survivor New York, I think, was just kind of putting myself out there and realizing that this is something that I could do and something that I want to do.
0: And so you come to the conclusion, like, I want to start my own live game. Where did you even begin?
1: So the beginning process really kind of started with the casting aspect. I knew that I needed to find a solid cast. I don't know what it was, but in the beginning, my mindset was like, if I can't find 16 people, I'm not doing this. The real show would never not have 16 people. So I had to like call up friends, family. So a little like not big facts or secret of Survivor New York, because there was a Survive New York zero. It was sort of like a, you know, a testing season. It was something that I really did want to become season one, but unfortunately, a lot of the footage was lost. Um, So it was, like, majority of my friends, uh, Stan and Gary, both former Survivor New York players, were there. Um, And it was sort of, like, my testing ground of, like, how I, you know, get all the mechanics to work, the challenges, the crew. Um, And it really was about setting up, like, a crew that was willing to help me And to create this um, whole idea and to fulfill this fantasy that I had of like being the survivor host and doing these challenges that I wanted to see other people do and, you know, playing the format that I like had wanted these people to play. Like in the first season, it was like very old school survivor, where, well, by first season, I mean season zero was, you know, two tribes no swaps merge at 10 um one idol per camp very like clean easy but then as you know time goes on you want to see more twists and turns and this and that I don't know if there's I'm gonna like, too there ahead of some myself cre- but... scope
0: creep that happens as you go yes
1: yes very that but I think you know the biggest starting point is the casting and the team you know finding the right people to kind of put in there. um uh, and also to show the audience for season one, it was like you got to pick like a group of people that are going to be interesting to watch, but also willing and able to play. So it was like a, a hard balance because casting was kind of all put onto my shoulders. Uh, I'm super lucky now because there's so many people like willing and wanting to help out with these later seasons, but it was a lot of begging and asking of people to come out and play for the first few of them. So I want to dig a little bit more into you know. But...
0: It's one thing getting the people to come play, but like, it's hard to run a game by yourself. Like who were you getting to come help you that season? How did you find people to come help you that season?
1: Um, So the truth was I had like my roommate, my dad, my sister, and I think I had Stan. You know, Stan and I, we go way back. We played online reality games since we were about 12 years old. Um, I had just met him for the first time in 2015. In the season zero game. Um, so it I was like, that, that
2: was the first time you guys met in person. That's so funny. And
1: I remember it so specifically. He says The car. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. The, the car pulls up to my house. He opens the door. He's like, Chris, I can't believe we're meeting after, you know, 20 something years. It's so crazy. Um, but yeah, so it was. <laughs> Oh, Lancy practically a family fair, yeah. <laughs> um it was a dire skeleton crew. It, I'm not gonna lie, it was a lot of work for the people that were helping me. It was four to five people, maybe. I even had like my one of my best friends' ex-boyfriends helping, like with challenge setup, like and my roommate's brother helping for like a little bit. Like anybody that was willing to help, I had them help. But there were some people that you know, had asked for help that I was thinking, oh, no, I probably won't need your help. So don't worry about it. But looking back, I'm like, I wish I had just said yes. So big advice is never say no to help (laughs) when it's being asked or given to you. Because you never know how little that help can, like how little the person is willing to help can be effective in the overall scheme of things. Uh, So Naomi,
0: you join the, the 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 production crew starting season three for sovereign new york correct
2: yeah yes and indeed
0: how did you end up getting involved from in York? what was kind of your journey into the game
2: okay this is a this is like i think about this a lot and uh as chris knows i did cry at the season three finale um after the votes were read and we were all hugging i was just bawling Sorry. and it and it <laughs> it all goes back to like um like that first moment of watching Survivor, I didn't start watching Survivor till I was like an adult. Uh, I did it because my ex-boyfriend broke up with me, and I was like, I have nothing to do. My friend said, go watch Survivor. Uh, but yes, it, it, Louis, <laughs> <laughs> dad, it was a cry fest. Um, so it goes from this. It goes, uh, I start watching Survivor. My friend and I put on a Survivor comedy show where we have comedians play Survivor on stage live. Then I meet Amy Howard. I start playing Mafia. I start hanging out with RHAP people. And uh i then get recruited to play an apartment game at jeffrey marx's apartment cat like glass Houses. jeffrey marx was putting out apartment games and i met a ton of people including like daniel marmion like george uh dan from season two like i met so many people that would go on to be sort of like legendary in my mind mikey was there um god that was a day uh and so i met dan and dan was like hey uh my friend Jessica is looking for another woman to play surviving real foot. Are you interested? I was like, screw it. I'll go from one day in an apartment in Brooklyn to mm, five days in the woods. Sounds normal. And I took that chance. It was insane. Um, but at the same time, I also ended up applying for survivor New York. And that was the blood versus water season. And I didn't really have a BVW pair. So Dan was like, do you want to join the production team? You work in TV, let's do it. And I joined and it was so much more fun than I ever could have expected. Now, listen, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a former theater kid, right? And I loved being the HBIC. I loved being in charge and organizing things. I had put on a Broadway review. You know, I I love to crack the whip. And this role was so much fun because I loved Survivor, but I kind of had... Burnt myself out playing a little bit, and I realized that you could make other people's Survivor dreams come true. And I felt so lucky to be there. And then I just started crying because I was like, "Oh my god, I have so many friends from Survivor now!" Like it was, <laughs> it was a disaster. Anyway, that's the story. All right, <laughs> thank you so much. I'm gonna click off now.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so, and so, Chris, like that first season, you're saying like you know you're kind of pulling together with the like, bootstraps. You're just drafting anyone who can come to you. Does it get like? Did it get easier moving forward to the seasons because you had like? past players coming or do you find people like Naomi that they're like I want to pour into this and and like recruit them and hold on to them how did that work
1: you know I have to say the very first season you know I had no idea how to market something like this even for season two I really had no idea how to market this like where to post you know the LRG community in 2015-2016 was very fresh like very new and I feel very like Like honored to have been part of that early sort of stage of things I remember like looking up survivor Brooklyn and seeing that Matt P was like the host so I found his email and I you know emailed him like hey can you help me cast for my survivor game I really want to put it on and ironically he was in my like New York you know from California because he had just moved there for his job for like the week uh that the game was going to happen for a wedding so he was like yeah I'm going to come and I'm going to bring Alex and Mikey and my friend Danielle, this and that. So he brought in all these people that wanted to play. And then I had, like, my sister's friends play. A few people from Real Foot ended up playing and then some Survival Challenge people. So it was really, like, hodgepodge group kind of being mixed together for that first season. And then moving into the second season, it was, like, five people from the first season that didn't win. And then like six, uh, I'm sorry, 11 different friends or people that I had met through Survival Challenge or this and that. Uh, Rebecca Chaffield's niece came and played. Um, and I felt like after that, it started to get a lot easier because Dan uh, from season two wanted to get involved with casting. And I think watching him uh, do the casting process and do it so well and so flawlessly it showed me like what i needed to do uh, moving forward like how like you know making the google document or you know the questions to ask people and the interviewing online i never thought that that was like a real thing and like i don't know if people know this but survival challenge for season 3 i just filled out an application no video one picture of myself and i was accepted now it's like this whole big long process same with yeah. the real foot. it's like the old school lrgs it's kind of like a couple questions answer give me a picture of you and like you're in the cast um but nowadays it's like you're really almost going through the ringer like the real show um but seeing dan's process of like getting all the applicants and all the different places that he found people from the applicant pool for season three was over 125 people um the strategy of like like trying to
0: challenge levels of applicants at that point
1: yes and his idea was let's try and cast it as uh a normal season, but maybe it's a blood versus water thing, which brought in like all these pairs, which were more people to potentially have. And season three was a magical season because it was like 19 people who have never done anything, any type of real LRG before. And then you have Pete from, you know, Real Foot in there too. I was about that. <laughs> um, so it was really cool and it was really fun. Um, but seeing Dan go through that process, um, I think helped. The mindset of it and Naomi was is also really great with all the documents and the forums and the questions and the interviewing so <laughs> it, it it's it's so cool to like have like things elevate as time goes on and Naomi joining the team was so amazing and important at the time that it happened and I'm so glad that Dan had asked her I you know, at the time, I was like, "Who the fuck are all these people that they <laughs> are bringing to my house?" It was like so many strangers I've never only, met.
2: It was not only <laughs> me, right? I was one. There was Andrea who ends up playing season four. Um, there was Trisha and Jessica from Thriving Maine. I don't remember if you had met no. Jessica before, Chris, but we had this group of people where it was like, "Why the fuck did any of us agree to do this?" But you. Uh, you know, I went to summer camp for a long time and it feels exactly like summer camp where all of a sudden you are meeting everybody and you're like, wow, amazing. Oh, oh, my God. You live in New York, too. That's great. Let's be friends forever. And um, back to what you were saying for a second, Stephen, of like, how do you get people to come help you? At first, yeah, you got to ask your friends and family. You got to ask everybody, you know, to help you out in some basic way. But there's also, I think the the pool of future players like I was technically kind of brought on I think as a like hey you'll play in the future and I never wanted to end up doing that but Andrea played the next season we've had people on season four who ended up playing the next season like it, it's a constant sort of for anybody who thinks like oh do I really want to do production I think production is a super fun way to get involved in a game that later on you can participate in and it makes it like 10 times more valuable because your friends are watching you play
0: I mean, Chris, what I'm hearing is Naomi may have redemption in a future season's Survivor in New York. Is, is this what it's all leading to?
1: You know it's oh so no. funny? I always thought about like I wonder if Naomi will ever ask me. Like, <laughs> you know, this season I really want to play, Chris. And the answer would always be yes. Like if she came to me and was like, I want to play. Or like she asked me, could my mom play or my brother play? I'd be like 100%. Like whatever Naomi <laughs> wanted, I would give it. You know? I know. I said all her that. Hard work.
2: I pitched a season of Naomi's friends versus family versus coworkers, because at this point I've talked to like at least three of each group, you know, and being like, Hey, do you want to come? Yeah. But my family's not a survivor family, you know? Uh, (laughs) And it's just hard to explain this passion, but I think Chris, what makes this so fun is like what you described of how you got into it. Right. You met all these people through all these other games and then they sort of sparked that within you. And I feel like we get to do that for a new group of people as they get to feel the spark of like, oh, wh- if I want to make a survivor thing, I can make a survivor thing. Let me, let me go do that.
1: So great point.
0: <laughs> rounding all of the casting, like what do you think has been your biggest learning moments or takeaways just through the casting process over these years?
1: The learning moments from the casting process. Yes. Yeah. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest learning moments is like knowing if someone's going to be right for a season and knowing that they could also be right for a future season. Um, There was someone on like season six, for example, that had applied four times, you know, and it just wasn't the right time the first three times, but it was right for that fourth time. You know, there's certain things you have to, you know, sacrifice here sometimes it's like friendships with people for example like laura holswasser you know applied over and over and over and we kept denying her and i almost felt like is she mad at me like that's my friends you know like you know and i'm denying her the ability to play my game which i have full control of letting her play but i'm denying her and then she comes in for season five and she's the first person voted out um so i think it's like figuring out like the balances of, you know, the right people to play and also looking at the cast as a whole and, like, making sure that there is diversity in it um, and gender balance. And that was, like, a huge issue for the first two seasons of Survivor New York. And I think it got better season three onward. Season three onward, the gender balance has always been equal. Um, Diversity can always improve. Um, And I think that that's a huge thing that people need to look at in the casting for their future seasons, is trying to put their best foot forward in those two things.
0: With the footprint that Survivor New York has, you know, how much do you try to like, say, let's make sure we get people from New York to come and play and really represent the region and like, you know, build a community here, versus you'd likely have applicants from all over the US at this point, right? And so is that a balance that you're, you're figuring out or you're saying, no, we do wanna prioritize people who are in state, how does that work?
2: we got an application from france this year i just want to say
0: uh he wow
2: he was busy and also an application from england too um i think that there are some games where i know they sort of have like a regional boundary maybe oh, oh x number of people from the location we're in and then outside of that will cast to me i think that uh a it's great when people are local because it makes it easier honestly sometimes i just this isn't actually true, but sometimes when I look at the list of how many people have cars, I'm like, oh, amazing. I don't have to worry about picking them up from the train. But realistically, I think we are looking for people um, from anywhere. It it really doesn't matter to us because, but the, the thing that does matter is we want to make sure that people have a good time. So in my opinion, I think that it's risky to cast somebody from, let's say, like, uh I'll, I'll just use myself not that like this is any particular example but, like i came from new york to tennessee to play my second ever live reality game and like that's a little crazy um but i would never bring somebody from really far away to come to new york to play a three-day game and it's their first thing ever i would maybe want them to play something else or sort of get that have them get their beak wet a little bit because you're really asking somebody to come in and spend a lot of money to participate. And you want to make sure that their experience can be a positive one. So I don't think it's necessarily like an actual firm, hard boundary for any person, but sometimes you you have to really think about like, I, I think a lot of producers don't produce with empathy. And I don't mean this in live reality games. I mean, this in regular reality TV and what is so radically different about this community is that we all are friends and we all know each other so like you should produce with a little bit more empathy you know
0: it sounds like in an ideal world you'd have smaller smaller one day games or maybe up to one to three day games across the country and then you'd have like like you know your like week-long games real foot etc like those those would be kind of like the more super bowl style you know like that that these smaller games maybe feed into or something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's a wild thing, but yeah, if you're it's... like
2: college games and then you have yeah, your exactly. like NFL games. No, I, I I think it's I think it would be nice to have regional survivor all over the place. Yeah. Like, you know, there's survivor happening in Colorado and in Boston and in DC and like all these places. Um and I'm really excited by that, the fact that it's just happening so in so many different cities for so many people to experience
1: also survivor uk and survivor sydney which is so cool to me like so many australian games i'm not not even into playing games anymore but if i were to play a game it would be one of those two yeah (laughs) just saying
2: you you, you do you'd be on the bing bang bong tribe or
1: a (laughs) hundred percent
2: sorry steven that's not a joke that you're gonna get sorry
0: i mean i i need to I have been remiss in some of my Australian Survivor uh, backyard Survivor in Australia. I think it's in Perth. Has been like my, has been my has been my favorite Australian Survivor in a while. And I'm just like, wow! Man, if if I applied to that, would I even have a chance? <laughs> it's like that would be like if, if going from like New York to Tennessee is wild for a game. What
1: if coming from the United States to Australia <laughs> would they actually believe my application? I don't know. I think you would do fine. I think that's another thing is like putting yourself out there um, as a player is um an important thing and taking risks because sometimes if you don't take the risk then you never know what could be the reward that's long term and like that's like naomi doing real foot i mean her experience at real foot wasn't great from what i've heard but
2: my my game (laughs) experience i'll I'll, i still have lifelong friends but game experience and maybe i did terrible who knows that's my own doing um but you (laughs) You know, something else that I was going to say, Stephen, about, like, what did you learn in casting? And this is a lesson I definitely learned from Chris and from Alex Um, And I think he, Andy is in the chat, but you're going to get at a certain point a lot of applications and you're going to be almost overwhelmed by the amount and you're going to be looking at things like you're going to be paying attention to how many women you've had apply, how many people who are non-male apply and all these different elements that you're, you're thinking about constantly with your cast. And people can sometimes just slip in the cracks. And I think that you want to make sure that you are looking at your cast list and really like, or, or I should say your, your casting pool and like giving everybody a fair bit of attention because Alex brought Andy from season five to us and was like, hey, I think we're overlooking this guy. I think he's great. And frankly, I don't know why I was overlooking a man who submitted a photo of him in Big Bird, but I was. And <laughs> Andy was, like, a perfect casting choice, um, which is why I also sort of advocate for maybe having, like, a larger casting, like, friends to sort of help you read because it just gets eyes everywhere and you get to find, like, the best possible people to participate.
0: So that your first, ooh, including season zero, like, your first six seasons for New York, it was a, is it three day two night? You t- like is, is is that is that the game link for those the first seasons, three nights two days? Sorry.
1: Um, so it would be Friday night, Saturday night, and they would go home Sunday night.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so kind of two nights two days. How did you decide like this is what I want it to be? Like how, how how did you figure that out? As like that link that you wanted the game to be to start with.
1: You know when you gave me that question because you kind of gave me all the questions beforehand last night just so i could read i was like wow i never thought of that that's a great question steven like i never once thought about the day format it was always in my head that it would just be a weekend two day thing like anybody could just like get off of work on a friday go to some random location in upstate new york play a survivor game for two days go home sunday night and be back to work in the office you know, Monday morning, and I figured that that would be like a very, like, New York City sort of, like, day trip type of game situation, and it was for a lot of people for the first five seasons, Um, so I I felt like it was the right balance. I had seen some one-day games. I had played in, I think, two one-day games, and it just felt like it wasn't enough time. It was very rushed. Um, You know, the production felt very under, like, attacked, very stressed out by each other and the, the pressure of, like, the players and setting all the challenges up and the food schedule. It just didn't seem like one day was enough. Um, but two days kind of, like, bounced it out. And then we learned, like, even further down that two days with the filming schedule and a, a big cast, you know, it might be smarter to elongate it even one more day and also put a lot less stress on the cast and crew overall and give them a little bit more of like that actual experience of living outside and you know bonding and playing with people
0: and I especially thing like having i don't know if you call that like kind of night zero and then night and that night one just kind of gives a breather for the players to talk and figure things out and just kind of like it almost feels like a bit of a gamer that that helps lead into the next day versus just kind of the frantic rush sometimes i feel like players it's it's hard to orient yourself on what's going on and what should I be doing.
2: Yeah. Well, it also allows for people to show up on time. You know what I mean? And that's not shade to the players. <laughs> like, it's hard sometimes to get out of the work or to, mm-hmm. you know, I remember for Survivor Buffalo, I had to show up at, like, 7 a.m. to a fucking park. And, like, I was not from Buffalo. So I was, you know, sleeping out the night before um in a hotel and, and being like okay i guess i'm gonna get an uber at six in the morning to a random ass park down the street and there's something very comforting about getting to meet everybody in the environment where it's like hey you have all the time in the world to meet people and you will not vote anybody out right now so just take the time to actually socialize and actually spend some time together mm-hmm. um it, it, I think, helps immensely in also, A, people knowing each other's names, B, avoiding, like, a pogonging of some kind because you know everybody. I mean, you see it, obviously, in Bannerman Island, like, crazy, where people are like, oh, yeah, like, I met Dr. San. He's not on my tribe, and I'm not working with him right now, but <laughs> he's my number one. It's just like, oh, okay, that's nuts. Um, but I also like it because I think it allows the production, like, you get to also meet everybody because so many people we are casting to be like, hi, just show up and we'll meet you for the very first time. Mm -hmm. And you want to spend the time with them as a production member. This is, this is like one of my big pieces of advice um, is when you're putting on a game, you're going to be so overwhelmed by how much you have to do everything that's going on. And you sometimes have to remember that like when a player gets voted out or a player is there, they've taken the sort of like social risk to just come meet a bunch of strangers in the woods. And I think that you have to be very conscious of their feelings. You know, if they get voted out, be like kind to them and, and make them feel like, Hey, it's not the end of the world that you got voted out. Um, and that can be very hard when you're busy and stressed out, which is why it's always good to have more people, but also to keep yourself very grounded. Like the game goes by really fast, but people can kind of get like lost in the shuffle of how, um, just fast and aggressive, survivor is sometimes.
0: I've heard I've heard some games that you have like an actual person in charge of you know the post game experience with players, like ensuring <laughs> like hey you have someone to talk to, something to kind of work things out. Let's get you food. Let's make sure you know where you're going and like kind of helping with with with
1: that with that situation as it unfolds. Yes, you know we didn't have that for a, a lot of the seasons. Um, and I myself had played in a few games where I didn't have that and it is the worst feeling when you're voted out and it feels like you're being just like thrown to the side like trash like nobody really cares about you you're alone you just got voted out you really have nobody to turn to the production is moving on to the next challenge they're moving on with the players in the game there's so much more to focus on than the people voted out and for season seven I wish it had been sooner, but season seven, we had uh, somebody from season six come back and that was like their main job is like being like that person to go to. And he was there, you know, 24 seven like support for all these players voted it out. And eventually I th- believe uh, one or two other production members joined in on that like effort to just like be there as a support. And, you know, all the people kept, you know, praising this decision because, they felt like they had somebody that they can go to and to talk to. And I definitely recommend every game to have this in some sort of capacity, even if it was like, you know, somebody that the players voted out could call on a phone just to talk or give them like Davey sack has a really great document that it gives to all players voted out. It's like a decompression doc. If they Mm -hmm. could just give that in like a paper format to these players after they're voted out, it's something just to kind of like, Get them through because you know in that moment they're really down and out but this is something that could have long-term effects on them that we don't want to happen
2: yeah i I also want to say like so like george and alex kind of were able to do that in the pre-merge of games right and then the merge hits and it's so chaotic that like suddenly you're pulling people off of hey this is your role this is your role and you have to say okay never mind don't help those people anymore Um, which is why it's so great to like really assign somebody that role and be like, and don't do anything else for the rest of the game.
0: And I will agree. I think pre-merge is where it matters most just because in the merge, you kind of, you have that jury, the the player is still in the game at some point, like it's still going on, but pre-merge I feel like is when it can feel the most. And I think especially those are the players, like you want to not lose in the community. Like, like, yes, you've been the first person voted out, this is your first live reality game ever, but how can we make it so you still yeah. have a you positive still matter.
2: You still matter yeah, in this you game. You still
0: matter. We want you to have a positive experience and be willing to throw your hat in the ring again versus you, you came, you done, you're like, I'm out, I'm done, this is terrible, right? That's, I think, is that, that's like, that's not what we, I think, what we want to have an experience be per player.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Getting, getting back to, up, yeah. Sorry. No, go, ahead. No, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, you know, so, sometimes it's like, um, some games will be like, you know what? That's what you signed up for, you know. And it just—it's a harsh reality of things. Um, but we don't have to be like that. And you know, mm-hmm. we're not the real show. I don't know. if I always wondered about that. Like, do they have psychologists that take care of these people, like after the game? Um, but yeah. Sorry. Go ahead.
0: And and I know, like for myself, part of the reason why I do those those um. Deep dive podcasts for real food is to give players kind of that time to decompress, to talk to the story, and let it be heard. Cause sometimes, like in just the chaos of game's ending, you just don't get a chance for that. Um
2: Yeah, the game of being over is the fastest part. Like y- you, you know, we have to go back to work on Monday. You know, we have all <laughs> the early, but like
1: we gotta That's go. So cool.
2: I, and yeah, well, one of, the, one of the players who played Survival New York was saying, I wish I actually stuck around the city after the game, not really before the game, because you mm-hmm. want time to, to decompress but also talk to people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Definitely, it, it can feel like a real rush, especially if you're on the jury and you're not talking to people and, and all that.
1: And I definitely commend you for all your interviews, Stephen, because I see all the yeah. time and effort that you're doing for the community by doing those, and I feel like a lot of the Survival Challenge people – they don't get like it's just so fast paced like, mm-hmm. I know i've been there and i've you know i I had kathy Sleckman as like my person I'm to so go jealous. to <laughs> to like uh take care of me after i was voted out but these players these days aren't getting that mm-hmm. um so i feel like that is such a great decompression to be able to just like talk to somebody that understands like you
0: i want to kind of bounce back to the whole night zero thing that we were talking about earlier I mean, I've seen games do a variety of different things. You know, Real Foot kind of some oftentimes has kind of a pregame lunch for players to do a meet and greet. Other games like Survivor BC, Chris, you how many hours you sit blindfolded waiting for the game to begin? I know some players oh, sat Yeah, some players sat for maybe a couple <laughs> hours blindfolded before the big reveal of who you are competing against. And so was that was the most influential night zero in Bannerman Island? Because that was the theme of the season that everyone's like I trust Dr. Stab. Like he, he did work that night that we never even got to see on camera.
1: I would say, yes, I never thought editing the the footage. <laughs> I would see so many people talking about night zero and the, you know, there was like an alliance between um, Asian players. There was an alliance uh, just like all these different types of alliances. And I never yeah. thought a night zero would be just so important because it never really was that important prior um yeah, it was it was cool to see that though. It was a different aspect and a different way to like edit that into the episodes that I never thought was a possibility.
2: Yeah, I remember the most annoyed I ever was with season four, though, because I had very trickily tried to be like, okay, so there are three tribes, but I didn't want them to know there were three tribes. So I was like, okay, uh, people who are gonna be on the pink tribe, I'm gonna tell them to bring pink and blue. People who are on the blue tribe will tell them to bring pink and blue, the orange tribe will tell them to bring orange and blue. So everybody will think like oh there's only two tribe colors and then they talked about what color shirts they brought and then they realized it and then i got really annoyed so i was like (laughs) well now i can't do that anymore so then i changed it to like i tell everybody to bring all color shirts so if you're annoyed that you have more clothes in your bag than you need you can blame season four
0: so um (laughs) surviving bloomington what they do is they just don't they they just they, they buy their own third color shirts and they just say here you go. You're on a new, you're, this is your color. You're like, oh, I guess I'm not the colors I brought. I'm on this color now. <laughs> oh, that's Surprise. funny. Surprise! Uh, so
1: if you want to ambush players, I'd fully recommend I'd fully recommend something like that. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll never do that only because I love, like, people being able to express themselves through their clothing and, like, mm-hmm. people being able to be, like, recognizable by certain things that they're wearing, whether it be, like, long socks or a plaid shirt in purple or they're the the one person wearing maroon while the rest of the tribe is wearing red like there's something that is recognizable instead of them all wearing like that same like ill-fitting t-shirt maybe i don't know <laughs> I, to me i don't like it but um to each their own and so kind of wrapping up this, so
0: we've been beating around kind of season one you know what do you feel like Looking back at that first at season zero, what you felt like these were the successes, and what were they like? You know, like the areas you're like, yes, I need to work, I need to do better next time.
1: Um, I think the successes was like learning, like that I'm capable of doing something like this and putting it together. Um, capable of creating like a sort of a schedule. Um, And trying my best to stick to that. Um, Trying to accommodate like over 20 different people's requests. um, Something like that. uh, Making do with a small team. And working efficiently together. Um, Those are kind of like the key things from season zero. There wasn't too much um, other than that. But I think that crew is still working with Survivor New York. And they've been working with Survivor New York for every season. So um, that is like sort of like the, the heart, the core of the, the series. So the fact that we're all still standing is surprising.
0: Um, now season two or the season one, I suppose, you film it and you edit it and you put it on YouTube and going from not filming to filming a season is a huge jump. What was, what
1: what was that like that first year,
2: Chris? Can we shout out Brian and everybody who made that season?
1: Please do, of course. I mean, I can't go forward saying that I edited season one. I you know, I was very not well versed into like editing or all that software. I I had no clue what I was doing or music. So I approached season one player Brian and I said, Hey, could you and your friends like maybe edit this? um because that would be really great to like get it online and to post episodes mm-hmm. um never really thinking like oh yeah i want like this to be like a huge thing or a big audience is watching it i just want the players to be able to watch themselves back and see the game uh again hold on to those memories forever um so he edited it, put it on his youtube channel his friend put like custom music on it that wasn't copyrighted um And that was kind of like the birth of that. However, you know, season one filming was very rough because it was my little sister who never watched the show, just filming random things. I mean, the most random things she would film. (laughs) It was Stan who was totally obsessed with the show, you know, filming everything uh, that he could. He really put in a lot of overtime. It was me filming when I could, and it was like my dad, like just sitting in a chair at tribal council, just like filming all the tribal councils or fil- like sitting in a chair at the challenges and filming all the uh, challenges. And season one, I mean, it's a hot mess, but, you know, I, I wear it as a badge of honor because it's like I I got through it and the product now you see the growth, you see the evolution mm-hmm. of it. And I'm very proud of where it, it, it is now. Yeah, I'm well, I, do... I, Go ahead, Naomi. Oh, I was yeah. just gonna
2: say, I think you have to remember that like everybody starts somewhere and like mm-hmm. these games are tough to film and you have to, in my opinion, you have to do it a couple times to understand how it works and how you work and your what your team can do with you. And then after that, it like goes really smoothly.
0: And so what do you think have, what do you think you, what have you learned to do to make filming easier, be more successful in seasons? What, like what are the key ingredients that you've learned that you need to add?
1: Naomi, you're- Besides have Naomi. It, <laughs> or maybe it's, maybe it's have Naomi oh, as the key ingredient. No, that was no. That was, for me, it was, <laughs> that was a key because she works in film and production. Like that was so helpful. So you- Yeah, you so
2: A, up. go to college for film and TV. <laughs> and then B, watch survive. No, I, in my opinion, what you need is a crew that understands what's going to happen. Um, and it's going to be tough because it it is a very strenuous task sometimes. Um, but my advice is always like a, think about the player's safety first and foremost. Um, b, think about having fun second, and then c, think about. Making sure that you are having a fun time while giving other people a fun time. Um, the biggest mistake I think we made was, for in my opinion, season six got very serious because we were like, okay, we're gonna film this. We're gonna make sure that people don't talk to each other because we want to make sure we're filming everything and that we're capturing everything that happens in this game so we can explain it. And nobody gives a shit you know like it's it's youtube survivor and <laughs> i think we were too serious i think we were too intense about it and personally i think that comes from just like the sanctity of the game and and obviously something we all care about and so i think we took that step back from season six into season seven with the live streaming and our players i think had way more fun they were talking before tribal council and strategizing and they, i feel like they felt that they actually got the opportunity to really play while being in a close vicinity to each other because we'd take like an extra 10 minutes to get set up for tribal and be like okay talk I don't care go ahead um and they'd just be like Like they, they would go for it um and that's why I think you have to remember to have fun and you can't take it so seriously um and that also goes for the players like you know, sometimes you're not going to hit the target. Like, don't be freaking obsessed about it. Sometimes you're not going to have a good challenge. Maybe don't throw a hissy fit. It's all for fun.
0: I mean, <laughs> after all, these are live reality games, and games, games. to have play and fun as part of it. And, I, and again, I think I know myself coming to these games, like, I want to win so badly. I want to prove myself so badly. And that's what we're, and we all want to win, right? Because we're all competitive enough to go put ourselves out there and do this. But if you're not having fun, then what's the point? That's true. And so, what, so, you've done seven seasons. Is you feel like there's, challenges that continue to pop up or like there are things like this is always the hardest part for me when it comes to a season every year?
1: Um, Good question. I think, I think the, the toughest thing every season is um, having a schedule and trying <laughs> to keep to that schedule as much as possible. I think uh, anyone just starting out, you're going to learn that it is nearly impossible. Like you're not going to be able to narrow this down minute by minute, hour by hour, even sometimes you're, Mm -hmm. you're dealing with, you know, 30 different personalities. A lot of issues could come up at any moment. Um, I also think you have to learn that you have to uh, pivot. Maybe a certain challenge can't happen. Maybe a different challenge needs to come in to replace a certain challenge. Certain twists cannot work anymore due to timing. Um, it's all about like, what can be sacrificed to preserve the game and make it still finish um, and be a product that you're proud of. Um, I will definitely say I've given up a lot of like really cool twists and really cool challenges, and I'll never say what season they were from. But I've had to do that to make sure that, you know, everything followed along the schedule. But the, the biggest challenge is always the schedule for me. In terms of that
0: triage or sacrifices you make as the game goes on, because things happen, right? You know, yeah. Is it gotten easier to prepare for that eventually likelihood? Or is every season like, okay, we are figuring it out as we go at points?
2: Well, I believe that part of the problem is that everybody loves Survivor. This isn't like a job where, like, you're a plumber and I don't know anything about plumbing, so I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. Um, And also, this is not my job, right? But we all love Survivor. So when something goes awry, everybody has an idea of what to do. And I think that it's... You have to be... Like, these Survivor games are such a test of, like, being communicative and being polite without being an asshole. And you have to say like, listen, like, let's just let Chris figure it out, and he, whatever he says goes. And you may not agree with, you know, your host's decision. You may not agree with every decision that's made in the game, but that's kind of just how it's going to work. It's it's their game, and really the only people who I think should be voicing, uh, it, unless it's like off the rails, bananas, right? Like you can voice your opinion. That's not that's not the the sentiment, but like there's sometimes it becomes so many cooks in the kitchen. It's like out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all just want something to go. We want to get it fixed. And the more we're all talking, the the less time we're taking to fix something. Um, I also, these are my two like big pieces of advice that I've talked to people about before is a don't fight in front of the players. It's like having children, right? It's like being a divorce. Don't fight in front of your children. And B don't yell at your cast uh, too much. You can yell at them if they're really <laughs> pissing you off. The the classic is like, we'll do the touchy subjects and they'll hold up their answers and they'll be like, okay, hold up your answers if you got it right. And they'll just go like, oh, but I got it right. Okay, but well you didn't hold it up. I just told you like five times to so hold up the thing.
1: And it happens every season. Every it, season, doesn't every season.
2: it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But in reality, like these people are tired and stressed and not listening to you very much. So A, I think use their names if somebody's not paying attention to you. Hey, Chris, I need you over here. Uh, Because if you just say, hey guys, hey folks, everybody listen up. Like very rarely people listen up. And B, you don't want to get too nasty. Like I felt sometimes like I was getting really mean because I was so stressed out. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to speak to people in my life that way. And so I would, you, you have to really, practice reining it back in because you're going to get stressed and you're going to get annoyed in these moments and you have to be composed.
0: I've definitely seen in other games I've been involved in that, you know, sometimes major things go wrong. And at that point, hosts need to make a game time decision. And sometimes those decisions crew can be unhappy with. Right. And I think kind of what you're saying like having that expectation ahead of time like hey the host will make a decision we need to back them up and be there for them even if we're unhappy about it at the time and just or like maybe like the answer is you know he, there are three different production members that they will help figure out this answer when it is this conundrum could, could i think that can be i think that's important for games who at least have talked about and figured out ahead of time for when these things occur
1: that that's something i wanted to discuss too i i totally agree with you um I think anybody who's gonna put one of these on should just take one hour and like go onto like a Google Doc or whatever and just write out if a, if this problem happens what what would be your plan B, like any little thing, any big thing. Like if I was mm-hmm. to use the park that I used for season seven and last minute the the park rangers kicked us all out, mm-hmm. what would have been my plan B? That would have been the catastrophic disaster scenario if that had happened but I had a plan b you know if some if we you know had 18 people with like a peanut allergy and then we bought a bunch of food with peanut allergies <laughs> and they're like the mistake. entire like,
2: cast to like, anaphylactic shock
1: like what like <laughs> little huge things little things like have like all these things set up in your brain not because they're definitely the answer that they're going to be but because you're putting into the perspective that you're able to create these backup plans like on the spot if you need to Um, and then also figure out the people that you trust the most in your crew to like have your as a confidant to uh, answer that sort of scenario with you that you want to trust like I feel like a lot of it is Naomi and I and a lot of times Alex is brought in there but then there are people outside of that that get their opinions heard too when when a very big situation happens but luckily there hasn't been like disaster yeah except for like the hurricane in season five I mean that was almost disastrous where for moments I thought that we would have to cancel the season I thought we'd have to move the season to this big pavilion down the road from my house but we were able to like you know finagle it with tents and pop up tents
2: yeah I think actually that's a good thing you bring up Chris though is like uh, we have a challenge team who are amazing for season seven. It was Ari, it was Brianne, it was Jeremy, and it was Edsel. And they worked together really flawlessly. And Joe, obviously, and Chris built the challenges. And you, you're going to want to micromanage everything sometimes. And sometimes you have to just let people. So, like, they would come to us and be like, hey, actually, this element of the challenge was too difficult. We tested it. So we think we should do this. Great. Go ahead. Like, that you have to let people uh, also thrive in the environment even like yes there sometimes there can be too many cooks but other times just let them go let them rip and have fun because they are giving you a helping hand and sometimes they have insight to something that you don't have insight to because you're too busy
0: i've definitely seen with other games i played there's a tension where hosts because they're such a driving force to making this game happen they put a lot on their back and they want to manage a lot of it and i think one of the challenges for for hosts of that style to delegate and it sounds like curse you've that's not a that's not a, a problem you you wrestle with as much
1: no i think for me as long as the format which nobody really can touch is happening like you know it's three tribes swap here and then mm-hmm. i have a challenge set up like the challenges they're not going to change but if there are elements changing if you know maybe we have to cut a challenge or maybe we have to do a double elimination to speed it along I'm okay with like making group decisions because these are people that I'm entrusting to be here, to be a part of my crew. I value their opinions. And I always look at survivor New York as like a community game where, you know, almost anybody can really be invited to be on crew. And, you know, everyone is welcome to apply to it. Um, I don't know how other games are formatted, but I feel like that's how I've always like operated.
0: I want to kind of look up at that look on like three different things that you've kind of changed or done these recent seasons, and the first is the move to a two day game to a three day game um, Talk to me about, you know, some of the unexpected things you maybe have that you've learned in the process of doing that.
2: What do you think we've learned, Chris? I'm like, what the hell have I learned? Um, I think what I've learned is it, I mean, I've learned. Know- Oh, just player Um, hospitality. It's so important to take care of the people that come play your game. So when you have an extra day, you know, where do you put people? Where are they sleeping? How are you sort of allowing them both like, you know, to not get cranky and hungry and all that stuff. Just hospitality is really important.
1: I think I've seen the crew um, have a lot less stress put upon them. And even on myself, um, giving us more time to really make the schedule happen of what we want to see happen. The twists, the challenges. um, Also, the player experience has always been an important factor for me. Um, So giving them more time to be out there playing the game, bonding and making these friendships um, and strategizing longer. That's what kind of elevated it. Um, and made i feel like made it more survivor feeling by making it a little bit longer
0: now between seasons five and six you also move vocations right you move from new windsor to montgomery and so a, a whole right. new place what 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 drove that decision and were there and what were the benefits or unexpected things that you had to deal with as a result
1: um so for survivor new york a, a lot of it was always about like where i can put on a game that is like safe and secure and you know where I'm able to do it and not get kicked out essentially. (laughs) Um, So the first few seasons was just at my house and my backyard and at the school field which is directly behind my backyard because I'm like right by the school Um, and eventually I was like you know what let me play around there's a park down by my house so I started going there and I felt like it wasn't enough. I feel like the players deserve like a very like survivor feel, a like campsite in nature, uh, wildlife around us. Season seven, we'll know we had skunks all throughout that night, a few nights. Um, so I started <laughs> venturing out to all these different like campsites nearby and seeing like what makes the most sense. Um, I even had a friend offer up his like house and his backyard which had a lot of space um but ultimately it was this park in montgomery just because um they had a lot of campsites a lot of space it was very quiet um and it just fulfilled like that need that i had of and the dream i had of just like making it more survivor feeling it had uh, also like bathrooms and showers um you know running water and also like electricity um It made it easier for us to, like, charge the cameras, charge our phones.
2: Yeah. And Um, it had a playground, which meant that we could still hide idols in the playground.
0: (laughs) Uh, And that is a Survivor New York tradition.
1: Amen. That is true. It did have, like, a great space for challenges, too, which I was like, oh, this is great. We have a challenge field that, you know, we could, you know, go to to do these challenges. It's not just all campsites and only campsites. Um, Yep. But yeah, the challenges was actually season six, we didn't know where to put the campsites. And we put, I, I have to say, season six, we had one campsite that was like way out of the way. It was very private. It was the biggest campsite. It was the nicest campsite. But the players from that camp had to walk way up this hill. They were completely exhausted every single time. They went to a challenge or to tribal council, and they constantly complained about it. And I didn't realize that till like way later in day like two. It was pretty brutal. Was. Yeah, so it's like learning about... Like, survivor, you know? The <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I felt like a lot of, th- a lot of uh, issues from the first five seasons were cured because of, like, moving to this new location.
0: Now, one other changes that happened, you, you mentioned season seven, you've live-streamed it. Right? And so you've, at this point, you've kind of figured out how do we film a season... Live streaming is a little bit of a different beast. What did you learn in the process of doing that this past season?
2: Well, I learned that Jordan Kalish and Stan love a live stream and they love talking to our audience at home. Um, (laughs) No, I just actually think, like, when it comes to live streaming, You think you're losing something. A, you need a microphone. Listen, to the other people out there, I know you're definitely watching right now. You need to go to Amazon and get a Bluetooth microphone for the iPhone. They come in packs of two, so you can have two people with microphones. And it's so (laughs) handy for tribal council. Um, You you think you're going to lose something because you're not filming in the epic quality that you're used to for Survivor. And I think it definitely gets difficult sometimes to follow along, Mm -hmm. but the, I loved seeing um, instant family reactions from people, you know, like I loved being able to see like a last name and be like, Oh, I know whose mom that is. Um, it was just so much more fun to watch people in real time, get to enjoy this cast of people that we worked really hard to put together. Um, Especially it allowed us, the biggest thing is it allowed us to have 21 people on the cast, which we'd been consistently at 18 um, for the past three years, because we just didn't have enough time to do even 20, 20 was a huge undertaking for season three. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so to do 21, it felt like we got to let more people play survivor New York, which was so important to us. And uh, I had so much fun and I, I really I can't wait for everyone to see season six because it is also a lot of fun. But I, I wish everybody was so as in love with the season six cast right now as they were with season seven um, because they deserve it as well.
1: <laughs> That's all I got. I mean, for me, it, for me the live stream was always something that I was curious about doing. I had seen you know, uh, Real Foot kind of, like, started and Survival Challenge also doing it, and then it just became this thing. Um, and I figured I wanted a break of the editing. It just was a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Season six, you know, wasn't even ready. Um, to throw in another season, to have all that footage, That would that's a lot on my, like, mental plate. That's something that a lot of people don't understand is, like, when you're hosting these, Putting these on, and then you're also like the editor for the season. It's a lot. It it does take on a lot of responsibility and your mental health, and your time, and your social life. So I I personally needed a break, and I figured this is the perfect time. The live stream format is just where everyone is going right now. I don't see too many games filming as much as they used to. Um, there are still you know a, a lot of them, a lot of one day games um but it felt like the right time and it surprisingly for me it it was the most fun season that I've ever been a part of with Survivor New York I just felt like seeing the people join the comments uh everything being in real time and all of us getting to enjoy the journey together was just kind of like special
2: yeah yeah
0: Yeah, I I spoke to Clark Wilcox recently, uh, who who hosted The Root of All Evil several years ago, and he finally his his solution was like he's like I am not, I just don't have the time to edit it. I want to. I'm just going to release the footage. I can release the footage, get it out there, and I can move on to a new game. Because for him, he would he was unwilling to start a new game while he still had this other footage unedited like weighing him down. And I know, like, I mean, Naomi and I know very well Survivor Maryland is on what season 15, 16? Who knows at this point, right? And so the, the, and so there's a huge burden place on, like, all those hosts at this point. Who knows if they're yeah. even still filming I'm it not
2: anymore. even joking. I think they're on season 20. Like, it's, it's bananas. That though.
0: sounds about right. I mean, because we were, oh, gosh, Trump was elected in the season we watched. And that was, like, season eight. I know.
2: Well, we <laughs> did, we edited season um, three in the pandemic. We finally got around to it because we had time. Because we were going to do season five that summer. Mm -hmm. And then it got obviously coveted out uh, by the time applications opened up. So then we were like, okay, I guess we have all this time to edit the season Mm -hmm. and to edit season four. Um, And I agree with Chris that like, it it takes up. I had, I was filming so much and everybody was so exhausted and it was not as fun Mm -hmm. and I would 100% rather have fun than Strict Survivor. If I want to watch Strict Survivor, I'll watch CBS. This is like about giving people an opportunity to participate in something they have cared about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think we executed that for sure with season seven.
1: And I have to say too, it wasn't like we just had one you know, Facebook page. Everything was being crammed onto this Facebook page <laughs> and you couldn't hear anything. It's like we put in a lot of thought and effort mm-hmm. Of how this was going to be. There's going to be a lot of pictures. There's going to be microphones. There's going to be uh, Facebook pages for each tribe camp where we could post a ton of stuff specifically for that tribe and the people on that tribe. There was like the page with all the links to every single like detail of the game that happened, so you could follow along. Um, and we were live on Facebook. We were also live on Instagram constantly posting on Instagram to go over to Facebook so you can, you know, constantly mm-hmm. be a part of the experience. Um, so I felt like we elevated the experience because I took notes from all these other games and what they did, mm-hmm. what I didn't like, what I loved, and Naomi did the same thing. We brought it into Season 7.
0: And I love the Google Doc Naomi made for the season. It's, it's, been, it's been very helpful as I make Yeah, letters. very
2: up very upkept by... Um... By Brian from season one and two. Um, Thank you, Brian. That was so, first of all, I'm a spreadsheet girly. And, you know, somebody DM'd the Instagram recently, right? And was like, how do you guys do your game? And I was like, you make a spreadsheet, and then you make another spreadsheet, and then you make another spreadsheet. Challenges, casting, player information, the game structure, eliminations. Or I have so many spreadsheets each year um, because you just need to keep everything organized in some sort of order. And it was really fun to get to go back and sort of make those clean up those spreadsheets a little bit and make it look really nice because it, it makes it so easy to follow the game but also not get spoiled and uh i just want to remind everyone that if you haven't watched survivor new york season 7 yet that you can go to do do slash sny7 game and you can see the whole thing spoiler free or spoiled if you want to get spoiled
0: all right so so once again it's tinyurl
2: dot com slash SNY seven game. And that spreadsheet is, uh, directly breaks down everything that happened in season seven.
0: It is a beautiful spreadsheet. I would definitely recommend. Um, (laughs) And I do love spreadsheets as an accountant. Um,
2: It's a high praise coming from you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So looking back over, over these past seasons, you know, What advice do you have to give to other aspiring um, LRG game makers?
2: You first, Chris. Well, mostly you, you have the advice.
1: Okay. I mean, my biggest advice is going to be to find a solid team of people that are going to help you move this forward. That something that you're very passionate about. And those people need to be passionate about you or be passionate about the game and to always accept help when help is offered in the smallest of forms, even. Um, For example, like, you know, my friend Andy, uh, my friend Andy, came to the Game 7 for, like, a couple hours just to set up the tent and then drive a few players to the game site, and then he couldn't come back for the rest of the weekend. Like, something small like that actually played into a huge role to help us Mm -hmm. uh, overall. Um, But finding that core group that's gonna stick around like family, friends, loved ones, big Survivor fans that are your friends. Those are the people that are gonna help uh, make a great game with you. Yeah. So if you
0: could go back in time and give yourself any advice or, 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 not, or knowledge of what you know now, would, would that be what you tell yourself or would you, or would you tell yourself something else?
2: Oh, I would say make a Final Four tiebreak challenge.
1: <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. what would i tell myself that's a great question i think um i think i would have maybe asked like john or rebecca for more help i i think i didn't ask those types of people for help i'd ask more so help from friends Mm -hmm. i never thought about like reaching out to other people that were putting on these games and asking for advice and it's like Funny, like Naomi said, people are asking us for our opinions and our advice and using that and putting it toward their games. Um, but I wish I had done that and, like, asked John, like, you know, what could I do? Like, how can I elevate the game? And, like, I had all those resources in front of me playing all these games, but I never thought, like, to, you know, I was sort of embarrassed maybe to, like, ask them for help, you know, because I didn't want them to think I was trying to, like, you know, plagiarize them or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, imitation, Sincere's Form of Flatter, and all that.
2: It's true. true. And also, you know, I think people, everybody's game is going to be different. Like, you mm-hmm. really are. We had so many games this summer happen at live, in the live reality game community, and everything was different.
0: So... You've been doing this for a long time now. You know What keeps you coming back and wanting to do a new season? Like, well, What keeps you from feeling burned out when it, when it comes to running a game? Because this is, this takes a lot of time and effort. It's not simply one weekend. It's the hours you put into casting. It's the hours you put into planning and arranging and, and organizing everything to make it happen, of building the sets and production. What keeps you coming back?
1: I think for me, uh, it's like... I don't really get too many opportunities to be like super creative Mm -hmm. in my life. Um, So be, to be able to like create a format to make up tribe names, the colors, uh, the logo, the challenges, the twists, the cast like that is like my creative outlet. And like seeing that come to live and a life in person is like really cool and really satisfying for me, even if it's just for three days and it like, helps me get through the year that I, you know, did something fun like that. And it was all through, like, my creative thought process. And it's, I feel bad because, like, I know a lot of people on the crew are like, oh, I would love to, like, design this or design that. And I'm usually like, no, that's, like, my favorite part. <laughs> Don't take that <laughs> away from me, <laughs> you know. But I have definitely, like, opened up and willingly let people come in and help and stuff like that over the years yeah. for sure. But it, it is my favorite part.
2: I just feel like the for me, it's always about like the friendships and the people, and we did a big hangout um like a week or two ago, and you're just suddenly friends with like fifteen people you were never friends with before. And we were missing people, and I was so sad that we were missing people, I, even though it's like I didn't know them two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, I love just bringing everybody together to have a fun experience. and then also, like, seeing how the relationships I, I i'm sure everybody who's on season i i'm always asking people like well who are you close with now who's your bestie now not because i want to like <laughs> be like oh well why aren't you friends with so-and-so it's because i'm i'm really excited to see how relationships have formed and changed, you know mm-hmm. oh steven you're really close with chris because you guys both really like spreadsheets that's amazing <laughs> it, it's like watching like your children make friends in school or something i mean everyone calls me mom which i think is absolutely hilarious uh, but sometimes I really do feel like I'm like, are my children making friends? And then, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my god, I gotta
1: chill out. <laughs> that's funny. That, that that's another thing is like I like to see who ends up coming back for like crew and stuff like that too. Like who enjoyed this this experience enough to to go through it again? But on the production side of things, like that's yeah. fun to see.
0: And here I am. I've never gone back once and volunteered at a game I <laughs> played. So whoops. You're I swear, part I, swear of the I love program. it. Shame on you, Steven. Um, <laughs> I think my entire, almost like my entire survival season cast went back to volunteer the next year. I was like one of three people who did it. I was like, my bad. <laughs> um, the live reality game community has been growing and there's been a lot new. A lot more games that have been happening over the years, both both survivor games as well as like, um big brother genius even original games what would you like to see from the library the live reality and community in the future what trends or changes would you like to see come into place
2: more helicopters like what survive did that was cool as heck though huh um
1: i what did they do
2: they had a fucking helicopter, Chris. You didn't see this?
0: I missed I missed this too apparently. What? Oh my god. Oh
2: my god, you guys. You guys, Nikki, I don't know how she does it, but she I meant to say this, like I thought Survivor New York 7 was pretty great. They blew us out of the fucking water. Actually, so they did something that was really cool, which is this sort of tri- twitch stream style where mm-hmm. literally they had like an angle on the um an angle on the tribal council host, an mm-hmm. angle on the players, and like over a over a background. And I was so impressed by their technology. And I think it's a little tougher for us because we're just straight up in the woods. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, wow, you had really good service. And we're all like amazing. Cause I don't think we expected that at all because we're <laughs> in the freaking woods. Um, but survive was so incredible the way that they formatted their mm-hmm. their production. And to me, like survivor you can change it a million different ways and you can do whatever you want to it and make it interesting and big brother i also think is a really fun game i'm really excited to see where golden gates goes right golden gates that new sort of game format um that is being pitched and a game like penthouse was so interesting i I love to see the new games Mm -hmm. but for me i love seeing the production value more than anything and and survive i think knocked it out of the park this year
0: i i I really loved a lot what you all did for the um online viewer but survive I really think kind of set the bar for, for, for like what is possible and I, I was I was just Christ. blown out of the waters like holy smokes this 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 could be a thing
1: yeah see that's what I like to see is like what's the new innovative thing like uh that we could do or other people are doing like the live stream format just like that to me was so cool when it first popped up like that was a thing we could be a part of the experience the live game experience like mm-hmm. online like as it's happening i never thought that would be a reality when i first started doing these in 2014 and now it's like you know you, it's an eight-day game and so and you get to be a part of every second of it with survive i guess i i don't know anything because i didn't I, I didn't see much about it but i did see like our friend danny played in it yeah. um but that's so cool and I'm, I'm excited to see like where the future of these things go and i also love that people from our community are getting to play the real show.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, uh, what has, what what is one, what is one other library all again, you have enjoyed watching or maybe have found some inspiration?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I enjoy watching survival challenge every year. And I mean, I'll also say real foot too. Um, And I love watching the challenges, um, the players, the formats. Those are like the two that I always watch for sure every year.
2: Yeah. I'm always in the Real Foot viewer chat. I mean, I think Real Foot had a huge um, impact on us as the game. So A, I think the spreadsheet is fully based on what Adam Bradford used to do for Mm-hmm. realfoot Foot um, and definitely taken from that because it's so helpful to know exactly what's going on in the game at any point in time um and also realfoot uh doing the viewer group chat and, and the way that they would sort of create such incredible community around the people who were playing i saw the way that they would do that and i knew that i wanted it for the people that we had playing the game um i also think that there is such a loving community in so many of these live reality games um and i i just think that like for me alex wagner of live Give has taught me so much about how to be a leader and how to get people to work with you um and he really put on like an incredible season five was so much fun the fans were his favorites it's a great season of survivor i can't recommend enough um but he really helped me get a lot of training for filming. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I just really enjoyed it so much.
0: As we wrap up here, is there any other advice or things you want to mention that maybe we haven't had a chance to get into?
2: Make production buffs is my advice. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, no, my mind's, my mind's outside, but make production buffs. Give your production people t-shirts, introduce your production to your, okay. This is my biggest pet peeve of all games. And then, Chris, you can go off and end on a happier note or whatever. But when you're on production, you need to remember that the players don't talk to you. So they don't know who the hell you are. So when the game is over, you can't bum rush them and be like, oh, my God, you should have won. Or, oh, my God, you should have done this to to win the game. You got to relax and remember that you didn't speak to these people. You just sort of watched them. It's like listening to your favorite podcast, right? You didn't actually participate in the conversation. So... I think all, everybody who's on production needs to just remember, like, hey, you didn't actually have these conversations with these people. So, A, let them interact, ha- have some fun together, meet people, introduce yourself. And B, don't don't swarm people when the game is over and sort of be like, well, why didn't you do X, Y and Z? Because they just got out of the game. They don't really know. They didn't have time to decompress. Like, let your players decompress and then have lots of talks with them because they'll talk about it for the rest of their fucking life sometimes. So it's fine.
1: That's very true. <laughs> um, I think this is something extremely important to anybody that's um, starting their own game. is about like um, knowing and deciding what you're going to charge for your players to play the game. Um, you know, for me, the first two seasons, the first three seasons actually for New York, were free to play. You know, I was just doing this because. This was like something that was like a dream of mine. I was excited to do this, you know, but the first three years is like all the food, all the the challenges, um, you know, me driving my car back and forth with the gas. uh, There's all these aspects that were just coming straight out of my pocket. And then finally, you know, I think season four was like. Maybe fifty dollars or something small, I can't even remember and then we
2: had to season three we asked people to donate back to chris chantel was so nice about doing that and we were all like oh yeah that's right he's not making any money yes take our money
1: yeah they were very kind to do that to me and i still have the card that they wrote for me and everything which was very sweet um but over time it it, you know it did start to get a little bit higher and i questioned you know is this a fair price and i i did have a lot of guilt over it in some ways because you know i didn't want people to not be able to experience New York just because the fee was too expensive or something like that. And the thing is we've always been very like open and honest about it. If it's not something that you can afford all at once, we are willing to like put a, Mm -hmm. like a payment plan or anything to make sure that we can have you play the game because we choose the players first. We don't choose uh, the players based on if they can afford things. You know, we want whoever we want we want and we'll make it work however it has to work in order for them to play um and know your worth i feel like you know you shouldn't go into these games to put yourself at a deficit you know you shouldn't have to like worry about like your your bills or anything just to make a survivor game happen um so charge a fair price that is going to cover all your costs uh about what you're going to put on for people Um, And if you make a little bit of money off of that, there's nothing wrong with that either, because there's a lot of your time effort that is going into this that you are sacrificing that you could be spending with your friends, your family, your job. (laughs) Um, So I don't see anything wrong with that.
2: And it can go to the future, too. Like, it'll go towards uh, next
1: time. And every year, something that I do is I buy new props from small builders. Rebecca Chappell and her husband make props survivor games every year i commission something from her uh, and she donates a lot of her time and effort towards like rescuing beagles so it's like little things like that could be bigger in the grand scheme of things is there anything
0: you want to tease or talk about survivor new york as a wrap up, wrap up here then
2: season six is good season six is they are The drama, I think And some of the twists that we introduced Because we were terrified about a 3-3-3 tie again uh, Just like I I can't wait, I can't wait for everybody to see This season because we filmed it very Intricately and I think the confessionals And the, it's going to feel like Like a real survivor in a lot of ways And I'm I'm super excited for people to see it
0: I For one will be watching, so I, I am very excited For when it comes out Um Naomi, I know you're also involved in other podcasts out, out, outside of live reality games. Do you want to talk oh, yeah. about your, your work in Silent Podcast at all?
2: I, uh, okay, I want to say check out Silent Podcast. Love them very much. Uh, get to talk about Project Runway, which is so much fun, and The Genius, uh, Joshua and I all the time. Speaking of The Genius, you should check out Amazing Live Reality Game, The Genius Massachusetts, uh, where it's just like the highlight of my summer after Surviving new york but i have like my little genius notebook and i'm just, every time i see this i get so excited again to like play the genius um and uh yeah i don't know you okay you want to see this is the craziest thing right okay i just want to tell this about Surviving new york before we go um i have a stack of everybody's uh little like player cards right and look who's on the top it's remy remy was on the top of the the player stack and i was like it's a sign they were meant to win because they were at the top of my
0: <laughs>
1: stack. True.
2: Exactly. So get on the top of the stack, and that's how you win the game.
0: All right. So, if I ever put, so when Nomi plays next season, Chris, we'll rig it so she's on the top of the stack. And on top of, you know, will be Redemption <laughs> Island. She'll be a tribe captain. Like, she can't be voted out. We'll like sneak her idols. We'll make it work, right?
1: Yes. You know, the right now is actually like a fun, a very fun time for. I feel like me. I don't know how Naomi feels, but it's like we don't think about surviving New York so much right now. We just kind of like relax. We take a real break, you know, and it feels good. And then it feels like by December we get like green lit by our production studio, and it's like, all right, it's time to get the ball rolling, guys. And we're like, oh shit! Like let's let's get a theme, ah, Let's yeah. get a logo. Let's let's think stand, of the colors. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I've I've already thought of ideas for themes, um, just because I'm always thinking ahead. But nothing's ever like concrete. Um, but it's fun to think about. Like I said, this is like my creative process, and just like thinking about the possibilities, and it gets me excited.
0: I have one shout out here from Valencia Burns saying that one she's one thing she loves is your interviews you two do after an episode.
1: So. Yeah, and please, we love we Valencia. All. Please yes. continue. That's our girl. Valencia for season eight yeah. and or exactly. nine or 10. <laughs> well,
0: Chris, Naomi, thank you so much for your time. I, had a re- I personally had a lot of fun digging into the history of your game and just the things you learned along the way. And I really appreciate you just sharing these stories with me. And hopefully this will be useful for future listeners who are looking to start their own game or have a game and want to find how to improve their game
1: i hope so thank too you, thank you steven and if anybody's watching this and they want further advice they can always find us on instagram DM us on message. instagram you can talk to yeah. personally
2: at the same time at survivor Sur- new york
1: survivor new york yeah just message us maybe we don't answer right away but we will see it and we will answer it eventually i i find the, that to be very fun just to give any advice yeah
0: thank you everyone for tuning in this is the first episode ever of Behind the Game. Hopefully it'll be more to come. I'm in talks to the do one with Kirk Carlson next and Coco Uh And that that has been also a very long run game with an interesting history. So Chris Naomi, thank you so much. And everyone else, have a great rest of your night.